Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Special Edition. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? Mr. Castor, long time no see. Yes, it is a long time no see, even though we're not seeing each other. Well, yes, we are not We are not in the same room because we are practicing social distancing. So we are following the guidelines that are set forth by all of our governments, which I hope all of our listeners are doing the same, practicing social distancing, washing their hands for 20 seconds, keeping a safe distance away from one another, because this is this is an a, uh, unprecedented time that we are uh, that we are in right now. Uh, hopefully, everyone is safe. Hopefully, everyone is healthy and uh, continues to stay that way as we uh, we get over this epidemic that is uh, ravaging our sports, ravaging our country, ravaging our lives, really. Um, but we are still here. We are still doing podcasts, and uh, obviously, no Brett, no Tim, no Matt today. Um, so I have called in the troops. And my first line of defense was to call Mr. Adam Castor. And uh, we have a history that dates back uh, a long way. So for those that are interested in learning a bit more about Adam, uh, Adam, why don't you introduce yourself to the Basement Talk podcast audience and uh, how we have uh, gotten to know each other over the course of these last three years or so. Sure. So as people know, I'm... Adam Castor and uh, uh, Bert and I went to Hofstra together and Old Pride, baby. Old Pride, go Pride. So uh, we actually first met each other in Spanish class, my freshman year, but we really didn't know each other. But then we took. Uh, you probably wish a, you didn't know. You probably wish you never met me based on that Spanish class. I mean, let's be real. Bird was just like a loud guy in the back. I was like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" It's like nine thirty in the morning. Why is he? Why does he have so much energy? Well, I mean, for the three years that you've known me since, has that really changed much? No, it hasn't. <laughs> Good. Good. So I, my first impression lasted. <laughs> so then we ended up taking a, a video editing class together, and we took this uh, radio magazine class together, which and we were in the same group for that, and it was just like we were the only two sane people in the group. I'll just say that. I don't we, are wanna... both, we are both radio majors from Hofstra University. Just want to put that out there. And then also uh, starting my junior year and your senior year, we started to – we actually had – okay, so there's a club. there was a club, you know, Required Radio, that was a podcasting club for Hofstra. And so Bird and I had the idea – or Bird had the idea to do a show about the World Cup because it was, it was that summer – it was we started off in January to do try and do a World Cup podcast covering every single group. We basically got two groups in and we said fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we decided to do a show about fantasy football because I was in uh, a fantasy football league with Bird in 2017. Like I started being in his league in 2017. And so that's kind of where our mutual interest in fantasy football came and we had that podcast up until the end of my senior year which at that point bird was a year out of school so bird was like coming into the studio doing the uh, podcast the commitment was alive and well adam that's what we're all about here 
Yeah, so that's basically how I know Bird. We've had a bunch of guests on the fantasy show that you probably know from Basement Talk. Yes. Uh, we Brett was uh, was on for a show. I think that's really it. Chris was I mean, on. Chris, Chris. I don't think Chris has been on. Um... Oh yes, Chris was on Basement Talk, and uh, and of course our six four uh, gobble ghoul from Brooklyn, Jared Fetchy Young. He was also a uh, a much uh, much contributing member of uh, the Required Radio Fantasy Show, which we did for um, for for Required Radio, and also Matt, who is the producer of the Basement Talk podcast, was also on uh, the Required Radio Fantasy Show. So he was on way. when we had Brett on. Yes, this this is uh, this yeah. is very true, and uh, you know those were the uh, those were the good old days. But Adam, I'm uh, I'm glad to have you uh, doing double duty now for uh, hosting that, and now you're hosting this, even though it's not your show. Well, it it te- I guess it technically is since I since I brought you on, so I guess technically you are part of the uh, the Basement Talk team now. So yeah, no that that episode that we did with Chris and Jared was really fun. I'll just say that the trivia and superlatives episode you know, was you know one of our best fu- episodes. You know what's funny is with Jared, we still talk about that episode every now and again. We still, we still talk about that, and he always brings it up and says that was one of the best times that I've had because that was really show fun. was just complete chaos. But it was it was a controlled amount of chaos, which we uh, which we obviously uh, love, and those were the uh, the good old days of Required Radio uh, Fantasy Show. And now here we are, Basement Talk yep. Podcast, your first one, Adam. You're losing your Basement Talk Podcast virginity. Yeah, Chris gave me a cold, I think, after that, like a really bad flu or whatever. I don't even know. But <laughs> well, he does listen to this podcast, so he's going to hear that now. So if you uh, if you want to say anything directly to him, you probably can. Well, I used to call out Jake at the in, in the fantasy show. He was also on the uh, the fantasy show, but yeah. he used to propose trades to me at like four at like nine in the morning. I remember we this. Before. I remember this. You would stop mid mid sentence. To to to, uh, to talk about a trade that you had, that you had just gotten and the uh, and the blasphemy that would come, that would come across your face. We're gonna t- so today we're talking about the only sports league that is actually still going on, and that is the NFL. The NFL has not it. suspended any operations, which th- yes, thank God for that because yeah. I mean really, I would be completely bored otherwise. Because yeah. you know yeah to put it mildly, with free agency you don't need to. There aren't any practices going on. There aren't any OTAs or mini camps going on at the moment. It's all just business decisions. And you could do that over the phone. You could do that over Skype or over Discord or Zoom or wherever you want to, whatever. There are different ways to do that. So they didn't need, they didn't feel the need to suspend operations. So this is actually the best time of the year for uh, teams that didn't make the playoffs like mine and New York agency. Jets, New York Jets, for yeah. those who are who are interested. Yeah, teams like teams like mine, the New York Jets, who did make the playoffs and hope to improve via free agency in the draft. So the offseason gives you a lot of hope for the future. And this is kind of we're in the crux of it. A lot of big moves happened this week since the league year started on Monday. Well, no, um, technically, technically that was the um, oh yeah, it was a legal tampering period. Legal tampering Monday. window opened on Monday, and the league year starts actually in two and a half hours. We are recording this one thirty on Wednesday. The league season, the league year opens at four o'clock on Wednesday. But a lot of the big free agency deals, as we will tell you, have already happened. A lot of the big, the the franchise tags have happened, and really the big money moves 
aside from like maybe one or two big pieces have kind of happened at this point. So, you know, and also as with any free agency period, there are always some big, some big surprises, some blockbusters. And we have two of those. Oh boy, do we. So first let's talk about the franchise tags. Cause that was the first thing that happened really. So uh, Shaquille Barrett of the Buccaneers was franchise tagged. Kenyon Drake was franchise tagged by the Cardinals. AJ Green was franchise tagged by the Bengals. Derrick Henry was, was franchise tagged by the Titans. Hunter Henry with the Chargers. Chris Jones with the Chiefs. Yannick Ngakwe with the Jaguars. Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. Your Dallas Cowboys. My Dallas Cowboys, America's team, and God's favorite team. Debatable. But Brandon Scherf with the Redskins. Joe Thune with the Patriots. And Leonard Williams with the Giants, which is surprising. So, yeah. Honestly, the interesting thing about the franchise tag market is that it took out a lot of free agents that teams would have been gunning for. I know, personally, for the New York Jets, they were looking at Brandon Scherf and Joe Thune and Yannick Yannick Nagakwe for their team. So, they have to look elsewhere. I mean, that's that's the, uh, the reality of it. Yeah. Well, and I, what are your I, thoughts on these franchise tags, Bird? Well, I mean, I'm looking more at the uh, the offensive pieces that are in play. Kenyon Drake getting that transition tag from the Arizona Cardinals, meaning that if Kenyon Drake is offered a free agent deal on the open market, he is the Cardinals are allowed to match that deal, and it does look like that Kenyon Drake is going to be a member of the Arizona Cardinals based on other things that happened involving the Cardinals. We will get to that. But I'm going to talk about just a, a little quick fantasy hit right now, just because the required radio fantasy show, it's in my blood. We love fantasy football, and it's never too early to start talking about fantasy football. We should have got that on a T-shirt. We, re- we really should. We should start marketing this. If we're really smart about this, we really should start marketing ourselves. But with Kenyon Drake, what I find very interesting is people want to talk about David Johnson, and they want to say that David Johnson was a colossal bust. He actually, in the first six weeks of last year, was a top eight running back in PPR. So really, we shouldn't be talking about David Johnson being a bust because, yeah, after Kenyon Drake was acquired at the trade deadline by the Cardinals, that that ship obviously had sailed with David Johnson. It became you know very clear that Cliff Kingsbury just had no interest whatsoever in keeping David Johnson very much in the fold with the Arizona Cardinals. So... What really ended up happening there was you had David Johnson who had his run where he was a fantasy stud. Chase Edmonds had two weeks where he was a fantasy stud, obviously capped off by the fourth touchdown performance that he had against the New York Giants in the Meadowlands. And then Kenyon Drake down the stretch was equally as good and really was a very solid RB2 for fantasy football. And I think Kenyon Drake is going to be somewhere around that this year. I have him pretty much ranked in around like the 16 to 18 range for running backs. And I think that's kind of where he's going to really fall into that sort of category. You could probably put him, I would say he's pretty comparable with the likes of Le'Veon Bell, just in terms of safety. I think Kenyon Drake is really going to get uh, a good lion's share of the work because I think it's very clear that Cliff Kingsbury wants the offense to be a bit more balanced, even with the trade that they made, which again, we will talk about. Uh, let's talk about the A.J. Green one for a second because, Adam, as you are very well aware, uh, the, in case you weren't, the Cincinnati Bengals had the number one overall pick. Were you, were you aware of this? 
Uh, yeah, I'm afraid. I believe I was. <laughs> yeah. And are you aware that there is a generational quarterback that is going to go number one overall by the name of Joe Burrow? Yes, I'm aware of that. Okay. So it's, it's fair to say that the Cincinnati Bengals need to be doing everything in their power to make sure that their organization is a viable place for Joe Burrow where he's going to say, you know what, I want to come in here and play my football. Is that correct? Well, I don't think he's ever going to pull a John Elway and demand a trade. No, I don't think he's going to do that either just because he's from Ohio. But in any event, you want to make your organization feel somewhat appealing. And, well, yes. And, I mean, look, we saw A.J. Green not take the field once last year. Yet he still got the franchise tag from the Cincinnati Bengals. This just screams that they're trying to make Cincinnati appealing to Joe Burrow. And I mean, Adam, I'm sure you can you can agree with this. Uh, oh, oh, wait a minute. Um, oh, wow, 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 wow. We have some breaking news. Okay. The Chicago Bears have acquired Nick Foles from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well then. Yeah. That's an interesting. Turn of events, so I guess it's Minshew mania for Jacksonville. Yeah, wow. For it's for a compensatory fourth round pick. Oh, wow. Boy. See, this is why we love doing these kind of shows because we have breaking news that drops right in the middle of it, as we do on the the regular Basement Talk podcast. We do a little breaking news. That's that's our breaking news bit. Um, <clears throat> wow. All right, Nick Foles uh, and Mitchell Trubisky QB competition. Hmm. I could. I always ima- I imagined when you did that, the breaking news sound to be like the ten ten wins, like ticker. I think that's what it's based off of. I-, I didn't come up with that, but I think that's what it's based off of. Yes. Anyway, so, so that is an interesting trade. Very interesting. It's trade. very interesting. I'm sure we can uh, we can talk about that a little more in a little while. But I want to get through these uh, these franchise tags for a second. Um, Adam, I do have a question for you in terms of fantasy, in terms of AJ Green. Um, obviously, he has a long, long injury record. Um, is there a chance in hell that you are going anywhere near A.J. Green this year when you are considering your overall draft strategy? Honestly, I'm probably going to – if he's there in the late single digits, maybe, probably. But I think people, people dumber than us are going to – Pick AJ Green off of name value, and that is a thing that happens a lot in fantasy football. You're like, oh, I remember so and so. I remember Matt Ryan. He was good a couple of years ago. Maybe he'll be better. Maybe he'll be good this year. And then you pick him, and then he sucks. And you're like, why did he? Why does he suck? And you're like, well, you picked him based on name value and not based on his stats and his career path. You know, you make you make a good point with that because I remember. Um... This is probably now six years ago when Jamal Charles was coming off of that ACL injury and he was going in the third, fourth round and everyone was saying, oh, Jamal Charles, he's just, he's such a beast. He's a, you know, he, he was an unbelievable running back when he was healthy and he was going third, fourth round and I took him absolutely everywhere because I was just like, oh, Jamal Charles, yes, please. And again, fell for the name value, didn't recognize the injury red flags that were just staring me right in the face. And it, it didn't pan out. And I think I agree with you that I just feel like A.J. Green is way too rich of an investment for me in terms of what I'm looking for with my teams this year. Obviously, if he goes into training camp and he looks good, if the foot shows no real signs of any injury, then maybe I would consider it in the 
seventh or eighth round, but I'm not considering him nowhere near my top 24 wide receivers. I mean, I just I can't do that. I think that my blood is is way way too. Uh, I'm too cheap to uh, want to do that. And AJ Green is going to really require uh, a strong investment from uh, from owners that they are going to go ahead and uh, and draft him. With that being said. Um, I just have a few wide receivers that I have listed that I just want to go through. Um, we're going mm-hmm. to put this in uh, in PPR. So okay. who would you rather have? Would you rather have A.J. Green or would you rather have Tyler Lockett? I'd rather have Tyler Lockett. I'd rather have Tyler Lockett as well. Would you rather have A.J. Green or Christian Kirk? I'd rather have Christian Kirk. I think I'd rather have Christian Kirk as well. Would you rather have A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd? I'd rather have A.J. Green. I'd rather have Tyler Boyd. Um, A.J. Green or Michael Gallup? A.J. Green. I'd rather have A.J. Green as well. So Michael, Ga- Yeah, A.J. Green's the number one. Michael Gallup is like a number two in Dallas. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we're basically, we're basically putting him somewhere in like that 24 to 30 range. So, it, and basically we're calling him a high-end wide receiver three. And that's... And that's probably on the low end. We're probably being a little bit, uh, a little bit too nasty with AJ Green because if he if he's healthy, you could probably say he's a mid wide receiver too, just because he is that talented. But you really just can't trust him to uh, to stay healthy on this one. Uh, Derrick Henry, of course, going back to the Titans. I mean, what is there to really say about Derrick Henry at at, at this point? Um, he he was a beast coming down the stretch of Tennessee Titans really 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 leaned on him especially in those uh in those playoff games against the Ravens and against the Patriots as well uh they really want those games on the back of Derrick Henry and now the crazy thing is the crazy thing at the end like at the end of 2017 or we were talking about we were basically writing Derrick Henry off yeah like leaving him for dead like oh Derrick Henry is probably going to be cut before the 2018 season, yada, yada, yada. He's not good anymore. And then he does this. You, you know, I've completely changed on Derrick Henry because I never thought that he was anything that special. I still don't think he is. But the one thing that he does so well that I watch when I watch him, because I really want to figure out why he's so effective, besides being a behemoth. Derrick Henry does one thing better than anybody else in the National Football League. And that is run in a straight line. That's it. That's it. He runs in a straight line better than anybody else. And he you, you can't bring him down because he's just so freaking big. So, I mean, look, it doesn't take much talent to run in a straight line, but he does it effectively, and now he's going to get paid for it, and he should get paid for it because he's deserved it, and he's been the backbone for this Titans offense. And the amount of money that they gave to Ryan Tannehill – I mean, four years, $118 million, $62 million guaranteed. He better be given at least half of that money to Derrick Henry because he, he made Ryan Tannehill look very, very good. And that's no slight on Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill did an unbelievable job in terms of riding the ship in Tennessee. But Derrick Henry was a big, big part of that in terms of not having Ryan Tannehill really do too much. Because they would just give it to Derrick Henry 25, 30 times, and that would be that. Yeah. Well, where was this when uh, Marcus Mariota was quarterback? 
Well, Honestly, Marcus like, Mariota is the worst quarterback that's ever stepped foot in, on an NFL field. So I guess. I mean, he's uh, yeah. Well, he signed with the Raiders, so he there. did sign with the Raiders. Yes, because uh, Mike Mayock is uh, is still in his NFL Network uh, mode, where he was the chief the chief draft expert for NFL Network and had Marcus Mariota as his number one ranked quarterback in his draft year. Yeah, that draft class is not looking too great anyway. No, no, it is not for sure. I mean, any of the top two picks. Not even on uh, their teams that draft them right now, Mariota and uh, and Jameis. That 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 does say a lot about uh, how bad that draft class really really was. Uh, Plus Leonard Williams also. And Leonard Williams, that too, that too. Also franchise tagged. Also franchise tagged by the New York Giants. So let's just move on to the the big news, the real oh, big well, news. Well, hold on, hold on. What? I, I didn't even get, what do you want to talk about? I didn't even get the Dak yet. Uh, well, you could talk about it when we talk about Amari Cooper. Uh, I could. I mean, you don't want to talk about your um, your Hall of Fame tight end, Hunter Henry? I said it one time. Well, it's going still... to go with you for the for the rest of your life. So for those that are interested Until he and makes for those that are fame. wondering what the joke is, Hunter Henry and Adam have a very, very special relationship. Adam on the Required Radio Fantasy Show, which you can still find under the required required radio tab on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, you can go and subscribe to them after you go and subscribe to the Basement Talk podcast and leave us a five-star review. Shameless plug. Adam said on the required radio fantasy show that Hunter Henry is caliber. His caliber is Hall of Fame level tight end. Did you not, Adam Castor? I said that he has the potential to be a Hall of Fame tight end. Okay, that's basically, that's basically what I said. Yeah. So, I'm going to I'm going to put this on you for a second. Obviously, Philip Rivers is no longer there. We'll talk about him in a minute. Depending on who the quarterback is for the Chargers, it's not going to be Tom Brady. He's signed with the Bucks. We'll get there. Where are you putting, depending on who the quarterback is for the Chargers, let's just say for this exercise, it's Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. Okay. That the Chargers go ahead and draft. Where are you putting Hunter Henry in terms of the overall tight ends for fantasy? Because you're looking at Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey, no particular order as the top three, I think most would say. And then you have the next group of guys. You have Mark Andrews. You have Evan Ingram. You have Hunter Henry now in, in, in this discussion. Austin Hooper in this discussion, who we will talk about. Honestly, um, Ryan Griffin is probably up there too. Oh he was, yes, oh yes, Ryan Griffin, of course. No bias. I'm just—he caught a lot of touchdowns for the Jets. Sam Darnold loves him. Yeah, and if Chris Herndon can't stay on his, uh, on the field, then I guess Ryan Griffin has a case that he can uh, he can make some noise as a as a deep sleeper for fantasy. Uh, yes. So, where are you? Are you are you going to say Hunter Henry is a top five tight end for fantasy? Or are you ranking him outside the top five? Um, I think I'm ranking him just I rank him at six. Okay. Probably. That's that's exactly where I have him. Because that's exactly not only where I have him, right at six. Is the quarterback situation uncertain? He also has an an injury history. You know, he tore his ACL two years ago. Uh I don't even remember what he was injured with last season, but he was out for a, It was a like, it was a meniscus, I believe. Yeah, he was out for half the season, more or less, when that happened. So yeah, that with with all that being said, I think Hunter Henry is still amazing on his day. He's still amazing, but 
there are a lot of factors that go into it. So he, I have – I just pull my rankings up because I am very prepared. I've done this before. Um, I have it right now. Kelsey at one. Kittle at two. Ertz at three. Mark Andrews at four. Austin Hooper at five. And Hunter Henry at six. So I have him just outside my top five. Uh, pretty close, though, between him and, uh, and Austin Hooper, who is going into a very crowded offense situation in Cleveland. Uh, okay, now it's time to talk about Dak, and then we can talk about the trades. Uh, Dak is, uh, he's got the franchise tag. Woo! $33 million that he's going to uh, get from the Cowboys, at least for now. The Cowboys are working towards a long-term deal with Dak, but right now the the one thing that is keeping the sides apart is that Dak is looking for a four-year deal. The Cowboys are looking for a five-year deal. The Cowboys want to offer him somewhere in the range of 34-35. Dak is looking for somewhere in the range of 38-39. So they're apart on dollars. They're apart on term. They are just agreeing on absolutely nothing. So they said, all right, let's tag Dak, and then let's go get a deal done with Amari, who we will talk about uh, in a second. But Dak... He's going back to Dallas. He's going to have all the pieces that he had last year. Zeke, uh, Amari Cooper, that offensive line. No Jason Witten. Blake Jarwin was also signed uh, to a pretty nice extension, which will pay him roughly roughly around $8 million a season. So a up-and-coming tight end in the league gets paid from the Cowboys, and that could be a deal that really looks very good uh, come year's end. But for Dak... In terms of his fantasy value, it kind, of, it kind of stays the same. They obviously did lose Randall Cobb to the Texans, which I guess hurts him a little bit. But if the rumors are believed to be true that Emmanuel Sanders is negotiating a contract with the Cowboys and they bring in Emmanuel Sanders to be that third receiver, to be that slot guy for Dallas, Adam, I, I really don't think anybody who is a Cowboys fan is really going to be complaining about going from Randall Cobb to Emmanuel Sanders. I think some people would actually say that that is an upgrade for the Cowboys. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I, I'm i going to say this right now. I think Dak Prescott is being one of the most pretentious quarterbacks in the NFL at this moment because he's great and all, but I don't think he's the kind of quarterback, you know, 30 million, I mean, 33 million, or 38, 39 million? That's crazy talk. 38, 39 is what, he, is what he's looking for. I mean, look, there are people that are going to slight Dak and they're going to say that he's not he's not good, he's not this, he's not that. But what are the facts and what do the numbers say? The numbers say that Dak Prescott was the second leading passer in the league last year just behind Jameis Winston and missed 5,000 yards by a sliver. Dak Prescott has also won, and he's come up in very clutch moments for the Cowboys, and he's he's won some very high-intensity, high-pressure games. That is also proven to be true. Dak also had the greatest rookie season by a quarterback, perhaps in NFL history, statistically, and what the team did as well. So, I mean, you look at Dak, and yeah, he, he is obviously aided by the fact that he is the starting quarterback for the Cowboys. You know, I don't know if Dak would be getting the amount of attention that he is because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys, let's say if he was the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's say. But I also think the inverse works at that as well, that if Dak was the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars and he was posting the numbers that he was posting, I think there would be a lot of people that would be saying, yeah, Dak Prescott is worth 
35, 36 million dollars. But because he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, there are a lot of people that are going to go out and go on a limb, and just because they hate the Cowboys, they're going to say, no, Dak Prescott sucks. He's not this. He's not that. He's not worth $38, $39 million. But the fact of the matter is this. And Adam, I think you would agree with this when I say that Jerry Jones has got to pay Dak Prescott right now. He has to. Yes, it's going to it's gonna sting paying Dak Let's say they go to $36, $37 million. Let's just say they settle around that number, right? You pay Dak Prescott that $36, $37 million. What's going to happen when you see the amount of money that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes get, especially Patrick Mahomes, who's probably going to be the first $45, $50 million player in NFL history next offseason when his contract is up? You're going to look at that DAC deal, and you're going to say, Oof, thank God we did this now. So it's going to sting at first when they get that contract done, but it's better to get it done now than wait until next offseason when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes reset the QB market and completely send Dak Prescott's price through the roof. I hope you agree with me on that one. Yes, I do, which is why I'm kind of scared for how much money the Jets might pay Sam Darnold when he is up for an extension in three Well, you, years. Better, you better hope he doesn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, you, I, better hope he, you better hope he's not the greatest thing since sliced bread like Patrick Mahomes is being made out to be. Because, honestly, the these deals that the Cowboys are making to lock up their three best players, I mean, it's causing some of their other great players to, be, to leave. I mean, you saw it with Byron Jones, who left – like probably one of the best corners in the NFL at this point. Yeah. He left to join the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I think Robert Quinn was on the Cowboys this year. Yeah, he Robert, left. Quinn, Robert Quinn also got $14 million a year from uh, the Chicago Bears, and Byron Jones uh, got five years, $82 million, including $54.5 billion guaranteed from the Dolphins, makes him the highest-paid corner in the National Football League, which, by the way, that uh, corner tandem – which we were planning on talking about this, you know, Byron Jones giving his own segment. We'll talk about it now um, so we don't talk about it later. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, that corner duo is, woo, wowee. It's like Revis and Cromartie 2.0. It's a really, really good tandem of, uh, of corners that they have down in, uh, in Miami. But I, but I do agree with you, Adam, that it, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, Dallas has got to make, some tough decisions with uh, with their guys and I mean you have you have Quinn Robert Quinn walking you have Byron Jones walking Jeff Heath also signed with the Raiders Malik Collins who was an up-and-coming defensive tackle he's going Jason Witten of course the Hall of Fame tight end he's gone now the three of them Witten Collins and Heath all signed with the Raiders yesterday so I guess the uh, the Raiders looking to become Cowboys West or something but yeah, it's 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 the nature of the beast. It's it's business, and unfortunately, the Cowboys had to make those tough decisions. Uh, there's a new head coach in town who is really assessing everybody on a very fair, very level playing field, and he's looking to build a championship team. And he's going to keep guys here that he believes he can help. He can keep around the Cowboys to help this team potentially win a championship. That's what that's what every Cowboys fan, myself included is really looking to see. I mean, this is a team on paper that I hope you'll agree with me, Adam, when I say it. This team should be one of the top teams 
in the NFC, but because of the obscene and disgusting coaching by Jason Garrett, and yes, I will say obscene and I will say disgusting, nobody come at me because that is the truth. I don't want to hear any other argument because your argument is wrong. Jason Garrett robbed the Dallas Cowboys clean and dry for 10 years, and Jerry Jones finally grew a set and said, you know what, we need to move on, otherwise I'll face a mutiny, and did it when he basically was had a gun to his head that said, okay, we have to go ahead and get rid of you, Jason. But all, all rhetoric aside, the Cowboys, this is a team that really should be going far, and the fact that they have Dak locked up or will have him locked up, they have Amari locked up, and they have Zeke locked up, and then you include some other pieces that might come in. They also signed Gerald McCoy to a three-year deal. Uh, they're bringing back Sean Lee on a one-year deal. It, it's it's a good foundation. It's a good starting point for the Cowboys in terms of where they potentially uh, want to go in terms of really challenging to be the representative for the NFC in the Super Bowl and potentially winning the thing. Well, I'm, I'll say this. It's going to be very tough this year in the it's NFC. Gonna do, yeah, I mean, Adam, you hit the nail right on the head. It's going to be very, very tough because you have, you have at least 10 or 11 teams that I can make a case for when I say they can make the playoffs in the NFC because you have – let's just let's write, let's just battle them off. You have the Cowboys. You have the Eagles. You have the – you have the Falcons, you have the Saints, you have the Bucks. I'll put I'll put the Panthers in there. I'll put the Panthers in there because they, they have McCaffrey, they have Bridgewater. I can I can kind of see it. So that's six teams right there. We haven't gotten to the NFC North and the NFC West yet. You have all the teams in the NFC West. So that's ten right there. Then you have the Packers, you have the Vikings. So that's twelve teams. If you want to put the Bears in there, fine. You can put the Bears in there. I don't know if I would, but you can put them in there. So that's 12 to 13 teams that you could say realistically have a shot to make the playoffs in the NFC. The NFC is absolutely loaded. Yep, you are correct. Jesus. Jeez. Whew. It's going to be an yeah, interesting you, year. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, another uh, moment that made me go, Jesus, what the Houston Texans did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what 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 the hell? Like what that was a half. On? That was. I just want to put that out there. That was a half-assed attempt at a transition. I don't know how well that came off, but I attempted it. I, I attempted it. I could appreciate the. I could appreciate the effort. You know what? That's what. That's what we're here to do. We're we're out here trying these days. That's all yeah. we can do. All we can do is try. DeAndre Hopkins plus a fourth-round pick in 2020 was traded to the Cardinals for David Johnson, a second-round pick in 2020, and a fourth-round pick in 2021. You want to talk about laughable returns in trades? This is like trade. This is like the Tom Seaver trade, but for football, and it didn't happen in in the seventies. This is ridiculous. You know, I was talking to uh, one of my friends when I um, when I saw the news break that David Johnson had been traded to uh, the Texans, and I had said I had said to him, I said, "All right, you know, the Texans really have something here." Deshaun Watson. David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. I was like, okay, you know, this is this is looking good. Then about ten minutes later, I saw DeAndre Hopkins as part of the return. I said immediately, I said, all right, 
the Cardinals definitely gave up a first-round pick, at least. Then around another 10 minutes later, I saw the return. I said to myself, one of two things. One, what the fuck? And number two, what the actual fuck are the Houston Texans doing? And Adam, I really hope you can uh, you can give me an answer on this one because I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. I mean, you have I mean the Texans it's like, well yeah, sure. David Johnson is fine, is a great trade on its own, but giving up probably the best receiver in the league, if not the second, like tied for first, 1A and 1B between DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. Giving up that for a running back that is, in my opinion, a one-season wonder in David Johnson, who has yet to prove me otherwise, and not even a first-round pick, even though, like, you know, the Texans don't... And not even getting a first-round pick back, because, you know, the Texans don't have their first-round pick, because they traded it for Laramie Tunsil. Right. And I don't think they have their first-round pick next year, either. No, they don't. That was also in Laramie Tunsil trade. Yep. So they needed a first round pick desperately. It's it just doesn't make any sense to me. No, it makes and I, Adam, I I literally I echoed the same thing. I echoed the same thing. I said, "What are they doing?" Well, one thing also that we talked about before we like literally minutes before we went on air is that if this is the asking price, why did the Jets? Make this trade. Yeah, yeah, we did. T- we did talk about this uh, before we came on, and, and we had made the point that if the asking price was a starting caliber running back and a second round pick, the Jets could have traded Le'Veon Bell in a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins in a second, and yep, that that would be that'd be a done deal. Honestly, they. Pro- I mean, really, we could have traded the fourth, the third rounder that we got in, Le- in the Leonard Williams trade, and I think yeah, Bill. Bill O'Brien probably still would have taken it. Yeah, you could have. Uh, I mean, there's um, there's a, a, a whisper that I just got that I just had pop up on my uh, my laptop here that uh, said, um, I'll just read this verbatim. Uh, there was one more team in on the DeAndre Hopkins deal that at the end of the day did not want to pay the asking price that the Texans had. And that team was the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that would have been interesting. Can you imagine Alshon Jeffrey and DeAndre Hopkins? I'd shit a brick. That would be amazing. I'd shit a brick. But, I mean, let's just talk about this from now. The the Cardinals' end of this. Hopkins, Fitzgerald, Kirk. Kyler. Kyler's going to have some men. To throw to next year. Josh Rosen is probably kicking himself at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I He's would, like, uh, why didn't you trade? Why so. didn't you do this for me? What the fuck? Well, you know what's 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 funny is I forget who I was having this conversation with. And if they listen to this podcast, I, um, I apologize. Someone made this point where they said that for fantasy, at least, that the Cardinals are going to be too rich to invest in. And that they remind them a lot of what the Browns were coming into this previous season. 
in terms of you have all the hype that's built up. You have a superstar receiver that comes into town. And the adjustment period just doesn't work out to be that great. So and I I actually I like the comparison a lot. I'm not going to say that the Cardinals are going to be akin to the Cleveland Browns and what happened with them this past year and the absolute circus that went on in Cleveland. But the comparison is, is, is pretty fair that there is going to be an adjustment period that is going to happen. And part of the problem is with this epidemic that we have going on with, uh, with COVID-19 is we don't know how long these training facilities for these teams are going to be closed, shut down, and these players won't be able to go in and look at film, train, practice, whole bit. So if we're going into the summer months and we still haven't had OTAs, uh, mini camps, and we don't really have a date in terms of when training camps are officially going to open, it, it does drag down DeAndre Hopkins and his value in terms of fantasy a little bit. And then you bring into the equation that, okay, he's going to be competing for targets with Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. So I have him right now in terms of fantasy. I still have him as a wide receiver one for what it's worth. But I'd rather have Michael Thomas over him. I'd rather have Devontae Adams over him. I'd rather have Julio Jones over him. And I would rather have Tyreek Hill over him. So I have him as my number five receiver for fantasy. Well, that's interesting. I think it is kind of equivalent. You can make an equivalency to the lockout in 2011 where uh, things didn't start on time. But at least in the lockout, you could have teams setting up workouts on their own. Yes. But for this, you really can't. This you can't. No. This they are literally telling everyone, you know, if you're if you're going to do anything, you're doing it on your own. You're not doing it with uh, with anybody else. And I mean, yeah, it's one thing for DeAndre Hopkins to get the playbook and really study the playbook and, and all that. But it's another thing to really get the feel of, you know, Kyler and a whole new system, whole new quarterback. He's going to have to adjust to all of that and the way that he throws because Kyler and Deshaun Watson, there are a lot of people who say it, they are very similar, but no quarterback is really the same. So and it's the it's the nuancey kind of kind of stuff. That, the timing, you know, it's the timing exactly. It's the way that he throws the ball. It's Kyler figuring out what what Hopkins' sweet spot really is. So and that's going to take time, and and that really does happen when they are on the field together in a game situation and in a practice type of situation like a OTA mini camp or training camp sort of environment. So it's going to take a little bit of time for that relationship to really bud and blossom. But there's no doubt now that Kyler has all the tools necessary, at least on offense, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals to really make a strong push in terms of where they are going to go um, and potentially challenging for a wild card berth for the 2020 season and maybe bigger picture, potentially challenging for the NFC West and further than that. Yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't turn out like the last time a Heisman-winning quarterback from Oklahoma from Oklahoma got a star wide receiver. <laughs> and, oh. and, and, entered, and entered his sophomore year in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> ridiculous. You can't write this shit. You, you just can't. No, you really can't. So uh, let's talk about the other big trade that happened. Yes, please. I've, I've been waiting for this one. Stefan Diggs and a seventh-round pick in 2020 was traded to Buffalo – for a first, a second, a sixth, 
or a first, a second, and a sixth in 2020, plus a fourth round pick in 2021. Now this is called getting a return for your star wide receiver. Yes, it is. This is actually, I honestly, this is a great trade for both sides, in my uh, opinion. Uh, breaking news, breaking news. Uh, the New York Jets yeah. are re-signing Brian Poole to a one-year $5 million deal. Brian Poole was probably the best Jets cornerback this season, so that is a great deal. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have officially named Gardner Minshew as their starter. Shocker. Uh, yeah, I'm just look. I'm just looking through Twitter right now to see if there is um, anything worthwhile before we really dive into this Diggs deal. Uh, the Broncos have acquired Jarrell Casey from the Titans for a seventh round pick. Ted Karras has agreed to a one year, four million dollar deal with the Dolphins. Malcolm Jenkins that return to New Orleans is happening, um, and that is it for now. So anyway, like I was saying. This is definitely a win for both teams because at the by the end of the season, I feel like Adam Thielen was the number one for Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins also is going to be back for two more years in Minnesota. I don't know if we were going to talk about that, but anyway, he signed no, a two-year it, extension. It, it, it's, it's worthwhile it's important. Uh, definitely talking about. I mean, it kind of sucks, you know, not having uh, that other option to throw to, but I think Kirk Cousins is going to be fine with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook as his weapons in Minnesota and for the for the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen didn't really have like a number 1 wide receiver at the during the season and now he does. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, and I mean this is a um this one really I think really stings for uh, for Jets fans just because uh you look at what they've done in terms of really building their team around Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills, and a lot of Jets fans are saying, well, how come this couldn't have happened with Sam Darnold? And Adam, if you want to jump in and, and you know, uh, talk about your feelings on this, please go ahead and uh, and do so, because I think, I think uh, this definitely impacts you on a personal level as well. Um, but, I mean, you look at what the Buffalo Bills gave up to get Stephon Diggs, and you say to yourself, yeah, this is a what a return for a star receiver looks like. And Diggs is under a team-friendly contract to 2023. When DeAndre Hopkins gets his new contract, who that is part of the reason why Houston did trade him is because he did demand a new contract and basically was going to hold out until he got a new contract. Um we're really going to see how much Stephon Diggs gets paid from the Buffalo Bills in terms of a reworked uh, deal, and they have a ton of cap space that really shouldn't affect them all too much. But like you said, Adam, you hit the nail right on the head again, and that is that you know, you'll have Stephon Diggs there, John Brown coming back. They're continuing to build the offensive line. The defense still looks very good. Devin Singletary, there are a lot of things that are expected out of him. I mean, look. This is going to be this. I really think that this is the Bills' division now to lose. I I, I really really do. But I, I really want to get your thoughts about the comparisons between the Bills and the Jets because that's the way it's going to be. Because Donald and Allen really are from the same draft class, and I'm, I don't want to slight Sam Donald because I think he is a very very good quarterback, and he is just as talented as Josh Allen is. But Josh Allen. In terms of where he is and in terms of where the team is, 
Josh Allen is in a much better position right now than Sam Darnold is, and we're seeing Josh Allen, I don't want to say thrive because he has some issues still in his game that he needs to work out, but he's in a much better position in terms of his career trajectory than Sam Darnold is. Well, I think that what Joe Douglas, uh, general manager of the Jets, is trying to do, he's trying to build through the offensive line. That is, That has been really the main reason besides the lack of wide receivers, that the Jets have been kind of shitty. I mean, the the blocking in 2019 was atrocious, and that is why almost everybody on this Jets offensive line needed to get the fuck out. And <laughs> except, I mean, Joe 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 Douglas brought back Alex Lewis, who was actually pretty uh, serviceable at guard when he wasn't injured, but at this point. The Joe Douglas is worrying about the offensive line. And honestly, the Jets do have some solid draft picks. You know, they don't want to give up a ton of draft picks. Joe Douglas is trying to be patient. He's coming from the Ozzie Newsom school of being a general manager, which is building through the draft. Right. And Ozzie Newsom has done that so well. I mean, going back to basically his first ever draft with the Ravens in 1996, when he was able to pick Ray Lewis in the first round. When yep. nobody else wanted him, so yeah, and hell, and hell, how about his last draft when he uh, got Lamar Jackson when nobody wanted him? Right, exactly. Look how that turned out. So I think that for at least for wide receivers, this draft class is very deep for wide receivers, and at this point, really, it's a you could have the best wide receivers in the world. But if your quarterback is getting mauled within three seconds of the ball being snapped, then those wide receivers aren't going to be getting aren't going to be getting the ball. That's kind of the, that's my sort of rationale for this. No, I agree with you 100. percent And I want to touch on the uh, the deep wide receiver class that you uh, talked about for the upcoming draft. You have guys Lavisca Chanel out of Colorado. You have uh, Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma, and of course, Jerry Judy, also out of uh, Alabama. Um, Adam, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jets fan, I want to uh, I want to talk a little draft with you. Obviously, you have the holes on the offensive line that need to be addressed. You're looking potentially at Andrew Thomas out of Georgia to potentially fill in one of those tackle spots. You did sign George Fant, but he's not a long-term option for the Jets. If it comes down to if you don't sign a wide receiver, or let's say you do re-sign Robbie Anderson, let's ju- let's just say that, are you still going and taking one of Judy or Lamb, who should be there, or are you going the offensive line and taking Andrew Thomas? And I'm not saying what Joe Douglas would do because I believe I truly believe that the Jets are going to go offensive tackle and they're going to go with the best tackle on the board which should be Andrew Thomas. But I want to know what you would do. I would pick tackle. I think... You would? Okay. Yeah. Because the Jets are actually pretty deep at wide receiver, more or less. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have uh, they have options there that they don't need a wide receiver. Like, you build your team around the offensive line first. That's what we've seen with the Cowboys. That's why, basically, the Patriots have been so good all of these years. Sure. Uh the Browns have been doing it. I mean, they're not they're they've been shitty for a while, but they have they're building through the offensive line. The offensive line is the probably the most important part of a team next to the quarterback. 
in my yeah. opinion. No, you're so, right. And the offensive line class is also pretty deep. You know, you have Andrew Thomas. You also have uh, Tristan Wirfs. Great last name, yep. by the way. But, and also, I mean, people also have said, like, oh, you should probably, we should draft an edge rusher in the first round. I was like, well, you know, there are also edge rushers out there. You have the cap space. If you have the cap space to sign somebody like Stefan. Devion Clowney. Yeah. Uh, Dante, Dante Fowler. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of passers out there. You have uh, Jadavion Clowney. You have Dante Fowler. You have uh, Everson Griffin if you really want to uh, go dumpster diving, quote unquote. <laughs> and yeah, there are options. There are definitely options. I think that offensive tackle is probably the best, the, the probably the best way you can go with this because, I mean, you have Chumwe Doga who's pretty all right. At right, at right tackle, uh, George Fant can play tackle and guard, and also the new center that they signed can also play guard. So yes, McGovern. Yeah, McGovern. He can play guard as well. So there's a lot of versatility in the offensive line, but you you want to get tackles. Tackles are important, especially for the way that Le'Veon Bell plays, because you know with the patient run yeah. style, you need to have a good offensive line to keep those holes open for him. And that's basically all I got to say about all I have to say on that. You're 100 uh, percent spot on. So you want to uh, you want to run down the uh, rest of the free agents that we haven't uh, we haven't talked about yet. Yes. So we have Amari Cooper, as we talked about before, signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Good for you, Bird. Thank uh, you very much. Ryan Tannehill. Five yeah. years, 100 million dollars with 60 million uh, guaranteed, the 40 million at signing. And then another twenty million for injury related bonuses that become fully guaranteed in the fifth year of the twenty twenty two league year. We talked about Amari Cooper enough and in his uh his value to the uh to the Cowboys. Since he was acquired from the Cowboys, he's ranked fifth in receiving yards and is tied for first in terms of touchdowns with fourteen. So I think that just goes to uh, to really show how much uh Amari Cooper does mean uh, to uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. So we also have Ryan Tannehill, Eric Armstead, who re-signed with the 49ers, who was a very interesting pick on the... Yeah, uh, but then but then was uh, subsequently traded to the Indianapolis Colts. And yes. then he signed a brand new contract with the Colts that made him the second highest paid uh, defensive lineman in the National Football League. Well, good for him. And Drew Brees going back to the Saints. Great. One of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. We, go. You want to talk about him? No, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. No, we're just going to keep uh, going. I, yeah. No, I was gonna, I was going to say uh, circle back to uh, Devion Clowney. Okay. Because we we forgot to uh, to talk about him, so he remains unsigned right now. Um, there are rumors that the Giants are in, uh, the Jets are in, but the market has been has been slow because of what the Chicago Bears ended up paying for Robert Quinn. And when I saw that contract handed out and I saw $14 million a year for Robert Quinn, I immediately said to myself, I said, oh, my God, what is Jadeveon Clowney going to get? And the market for Jadeveon Clowney, from what I've been hearing, has been very slow because there are a lot of teams that really don't want to pay $20, 21000000 million a year if that's going to be his number. For Jadeveon Clowney, I mean, I've heard that the Giants have made an offer to him, but we're talking just north of $17 million, and that's not a number that Jadeveon Clowney really is uh, ready to accept. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he signs, especially for how much money 
because you know you have a lot of teams out there that are going to have the cap space to do it and the question is whether or not they actually want to do it yeah i mean and here's one also that maybe you you will agree with when I, when we mentioned Devion Clowney i mentioned the jets that just doesn't make sense to me because with the jets you could have very easily taken some of that money that if you do sign Devion Clowney, you could have taken some of that money and really went and made a run at Jack Conklin, the former tackle of the Tennessee Titans who went and signed with the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, Devion Clowney, for the Jets at least, doesn't make a lot of sense. And same thing with the Giants. It doesn't make a lot of sense either because they're really trying to, to rebuild. And you don't want to make the same mistakes that were made when they signed Olivier Vernon and Janaris Jenkins to huge contracts that, luckily enough, they could get out of it with one, with, with Olivier Vernon, but with Janaris, they couldn't get out of it and subsequently had to cut him. So, Yeah, well, uh, also, I, the mistake that they made, I mean, they're still paying Odell Beckham as well. Yeah, they, then, they, then they still are paying uh, Odell Beckham, but uh, Adam, I, I have no idea where Jadeveon Clowney is going to go. I really wish I had a, uh, a scoop here that I could really uh, break on the pod in terms of uh, where Jadeveon Clowney is going to go based on the people that I know and have talked to, but nobody knows uh, what the hell is going on in terms of uh, Jadeveon Clowney. No, nobody really knows. Yep, it's uh, definitely gonna be interesting to see what happens there. So uh, the big one, really, I mean, we already talked about Jock Conklin, who is a great pickup for the Browns. The, I mean, the Browns really are rebuilding their offensive line, which should do wonders for Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield and basically the entire offense as a whole because the offensive line is the the foundation of the team. So, As, you, is, yeah. as you had pointed out, yes. As I mentioned. So the big thing that people were really worrying about going to this free agency period were the quarterbacks the two old quarterbacks that were on the on the market tom brady and philip rivers yeah yeah you want to talk about you want to talk about rivers first because i'm, I'm sure that there's gonna be much more to talk about with uh, the other guy so philip rivers signed i don't want to say it's a prove it deal i mean it's a one-year deal worth 25 million dollars it's a it's a low risk deal for uh, for the colts for the colts and so the colts this is a, this is a solid pickup because this this is probably going to be Philip Rivers' last year more because he was really he fell off a cliff in the second half of last season and there's a good chance that he'll retire at the end of this season because you know he is the same age as Eli Manning and Ben, and ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning just retired at the end of the 2019 season so you're Philip Rivers is definitely on the downturn of his career. Or it could be playing as long as long as this next guy, Tom Brady, of course. Don't but, tell, uh, don't tell, don't tell Philip Rivers that though. Yeah. Because uh, according to NFL Network's Mike Garofolo, uh, he Philip Rivers. Uh, no, excuse me, it was not Mike Garofolo. I apologize. Mike Garofolo was the one that broke uh, that broke the story with Ian Rapport and Judy Batista. It actually was NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, who was the uh, color guy for the Los Angeles Chargers radio network. And uh, Daniel Jeremiah had uh, texted Philip Rivers, and uh, Philip Rivers had said to Daniel Jeremiah that, you know, he, he views this, that he can still play for three or four more years, and, you know, this is not a uh, one-stop shop sort of deal, that Philip Rivers is moving out to Indianapolis, him and the uh, the clan, 
the uh, the eleven uh, Rivers member family. Uh, they are all moving out to Indianapolis, and um, this is where Phil Rivers really does plan on finishing out his career, but not at the end of this year. That he believes he can continue playing for the next two to three years, but. This was a connection that really just made so much sense given the Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni connection that uh, the, uh, two co- the two Colts coaches had with Phillip Rivers when they both were assistants on the old Chargers staff and had known Phillip Rivers from their time together in San Diego when they, when they uh, were in San Diego, at, known as the San Diego Chargers when they played at Qualcomm Stadium. There's a lot of big words, Bird. A lot of big words, a lot of tongue twisters, but you know what? We got through it because I am I am a radio professional. So, All right, and I've done and and I've done this before. Yeah. Now let's talk about my mo, the most hated quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, <laughs> in only my opinion, Tom Brady, going to the other conference to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, well. They didn't say. They didn't really say how many years this deal was going to be. But I've heard. I've heard that it's a two-year deal with an option for a third. And it's going to be thirty million dollars per year. Yeah. This is an interesting, interesting play. I mean, this is great for Tom Brady. I mean, he gets to go to somewhere where it's not shitty weather all year round. Uh, he gets to go somewhere that actually has wide receivers, which is a plus. Mm-hmm. And a coach that he can uh, mesh with, in Bruce Arians. You know that was the that was the big thing with uh, with Brady when it came down to him really making his decision. Was he wanted to go to a place where they did have quality offensive targets that he could throw to, and you know you look at the two main suitors that were in for him in the Buccaneers and the Chargers, they both did have those things. But at the end of the day. You look at the two wide receivers that he's going to be throwing to, and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You look at the tight ends, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard. Both are going to have parts to play in this as well, even though the the down season that O.J. Howard did have last year when he basically fell off a cliff because no tight ends ever succeed in a Bruce Arians offense. We're going to see if that is true uh, come this season when Tom Brady is in town who just loves throwing to tight ends a la Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez both made uh, careers out of uh, being tight ends and catching passes from Tom Brady up in New England. And, of course, the running back situation. That that question remains very much unanswered. As of right now, it is Ronald Jones who is projecting to be the starter. But we've seen Ronald Jones enter the doghouse with Bruce Arians many, many times last season. And, you know, there are reports out there that maybe Melvin Gordon is the answer to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their running back woes right now. Um, I have not heard anything really concrete on that front in terms of whether or not that is definitely going to happen or not, but that is something to look out for. But, Adam, I mean, we talked about this before we came on air, that if you have an offense of Brady, Gordon, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, whoo. Yeah, that's a, that's an offense. That's definitely incredible offensively. Hey, hey Adam, um, if you're Chris Godwin, what's your price to uh, give Tom Brady your number 12 jersey? A Super Bowl ring? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I, 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 think, I think I would ask for a, uh, I'd ask for a G-Wagon and a Rolex. Probably. Because Brady can afford it. Yeah, I'm sure he can. Brady can most definitely afford it. But 
Maybe um, a pair of Ugg boots. Maybe a pair of Ugg boots. There you go. Or something from the TV12 signature collection. Some snake oil from his personal trainer, Alex Guerrero. Yeah, or or, or even like a, 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 personal, a personalized TV12 cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... So I want to I want to really ask you about the Bucks in terms of uh, fantasy. Tom Brady, where are you comfortable taking him? I have him right now ranked as my QB fifteen. Well, personally, I'm never comfortable taking Tom Brady in any draft. Well, 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 yes, you 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 bias fuck. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm I'm well aware. But for the layman. For the people, for the average fantasy player that doesn't have the searing hatred for Tom Brady that I do, I think 15 is a pretty solid place for him. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a good flyer given the the weapons that are around him, um, but I really wouldn't be expecting much in terms of uh, the potential return you're going to get out of it. I'm not taking Tom Brady in a single digit round. No, thank you. That's that's just that's not happening. Not anymore. The days are gone. Um, if let's let's play a game of what if. If it's Melvin Gordon that is the running back in Tampa Bay, where are you putting him? If it's Melvin Gordon, I'm probably putting him at 10. I'm probably putting him higher. That, That's about where I would put him. I, I would put him ju- I would put him probably on like that RB1, RB2 cusp. But 10, 10 is a fine spot. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now that Brady is in town, where are you putting them? Well, Mike Evans, I think. Well, uh, let's let's do this first. Okay. Who would you rather have, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? PPR, full point. Mike Evans. Interesting. I'd rather have Chris Godwin. That is All right, interesting. Let's, let's let's have this discussion. Why would you rather ha- Why would you rather have Mike Evans? I think that Mike. Evans... I, I, I want to preface this by saying I don't think there's a wrong answer. Really? I I really don't. I think they're both going to be fine. But I'm curious as to why. Um, why you're more of a Mike Evans uh, guy as opposed to uh, to Chris Godwin. Well, I think that Mike Evans is definitely just the fact that he gets to like the lion's share of the targets in that uh, Tampa Bay offense. He's, he's the, the main person, the main player that the offense runs through. I think that uh, Bruce Arians, even though Chris, Chris Godwin's great and they're going to, and Bruce Arians is going to try and get him some, looks of course i mean that's what happens when you have two great wide receivers but i think when you have somebody like mike evans who's just such a great wide receiver that he is going to get more of the targets not only you know in the red zone but also when tom brady makes one of his oh so famous bullshit comebacks mike evans (laughs) is going to be the guy that he's going to look for i mean i mean yeah it's it's a it's a good point that i think um i can I can definitely get behind. I mean, I'm just uh, doing some homework right now on the uh, the targets that both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans got, and they really were not much different. Chris Godwin had 121 targets last year, and Mike Evans had 118. So I think, if anything, I think we're really learning that Bruce Arians really does want to throw the ball. I don't know if uh, really having a balanced offensive approach is really in Bruce Arians' DNA. I think all the uh, paint that he has uh, consumed over the course of his life probably was uh, laced with you must throw the ball juice. Uh, so that obviously does say a lot about the offensive strategy that the uh, the Bucks are really going to go ahead and go for. But 
I think the one thing that Brady, I think, really is going to have an opportunity to do while in Tampa Bay that he really didn't get to do his last few years in New England is I think we're really going to see just how much juice is left in that arm. Because with Bill Belichick, it really was just a you know a uh, drop back, dump off sort of approach. Maybe you go you're throwing a uh, seven or eight yard slant to Julian Edelman, or having a crossing route to Edelman or, or any of the other receivers, and, and you know that'd be that. But the one thing that is undeniable at this point with Tom Brady is this is the best group of receivers that he's had since 2007. No, no questions asked. That it's taken 13 years for Tom Brady to get that caliber of receiver back and now Tom Brady I mean the sky is the limit in terms of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a team can potentially do and by the way Tampa Bay Buccaneers do host the Super Bowl this year so I'm just putting that out there so Tom Brady is looking to make a little bit more history yeah no I did see that I I would be shocked if they make the Super Bowl well, I think I really don't think there is a clear front runner from the uh, the NFC. I think that there are a whole slew of teams that definitely have a uh, a real claim that they can go ahead and uh, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. But um, you know, you you really it's tough to really differ, differentiate uh, all these teams and say who who is the uh, the elite of the elite in the NFC. I mean, let alone the NFC South. I mean, you have uh, the Saints, and now you have the uh, the Bucks, and that's the one thing I'm looking forward to more than anything is we're going to see Drew Brees and Tom Brady play twice a year this upcoming season. I'm 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 ready for that. Finally, Holy shit. I know. Now we can really see who's better. Uh, I think I think Brady is just because he's one more. But I mean, that's just that's my own personal opinion. We've had a lot of these discussions. On the fantasy show, so I'm not going to get into it. We could save it for another time. How about that? So the next thing we're going to talk about, we're, we're staying with the quarterbacks. Because quarterback's the most important position. And we have Teddy Bridgewater signing with the Carolina Panthers. Staying in the division, going from the New Orleans Saints to the Carolina Panthers. And what this really does is puts some pressure on the Panthers to do something about Cam Newton. Because, you know, two days ago, the... They said that the Panthers and Cam Newton mutually agreed to trade, to a trade, to like trade him somewhere. And then Cam Newton said, uh, no, you didn't. Uh, no, we didn't. Nobody agreed. Nobody agreed to this. I was not aware. So, I mean, that bridge is already burnt. Cam Newton's going to get traded somewhere. It only, I mean, who knows where, but he's going to get traded somewhere because you have to assume especially after what they said that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And honestly, what a great team for him to, to go to because he has a certified weapon in Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I am so happy for Teddy Bridgewater. I really am given everything that he has gone through from that catastrophic knee injury, working his way back, serving in a backup role to Drew Brees and really grabbing onto the chance that he had in his audition for a potential starting job when he hit free agency at this year from last year when he had that four or five game run uh, with the Saints when he was the starter when Drew Brees was out with that uh, that uh, hand injury um, this is it's amazing for for Teddy Bridgewater again I'm really really happy for him uh, he's really going to bring a very positive vibe very positive spirit 
uh, to the Carolina Panthers, and he's really going to be a, a completely different kind of character um, than Cam Newton is for sure. And that's not saying that Cam Newton was a bad influence or a bad character guy by any stretch, but we all know that Cam Newton is a bit different compared to uh, to other quarterbacks and other players in this league. I think that that is very obvious um, based on the hieroglyphics-like uh, text that he has. Um, it's a weird font. Social media and Instagram. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I let, I let that rock. But uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, Adam, I, I agree with everything that you said. I think that DJ Moore really takes a really nice boost from this. I think Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore are really going to connect quite well, because we saw what Teddy Bridgewater had with Michael Thomas when he was the starter there last year. Michael Thomas did not miss a beat one bit. I think it's going to be the same thing with DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is really going to be in for a very, very nice season ahead. Um, what this does with McCaffrey, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think it's okay. I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not going to say it's great, but I don't think it's terrible either. I think if Matt Rule, the new head coach for the Carolina Panthers, is a smart man and wants to have a shot to see out the six-year deal that he signed, then it's going to be because he learns and learns quickly how to use Christian McCaffrey and use Christian McCaffrey in an effective role. As for Cam Newton, um, I have heard that the Panthers have had sort of early negotiations with teams about Cam, but they're looking for a a mid-round pick for Cam and teams are simply not willing to pay that price. The Panthers were silly, to put it mildly, uh, to really play their hand on this one in terms of, you know, now they're stuck with two quarterbacks. And from what I understand, that there is a real possibility that, that Cam Newton is just flat out cut, that he is not going to be a member of the Panthers uh, for much longer, whether he is leaving via trade or via free agency. Um, that it remains to be seen. But from what I hear from the Cam Newton side of this is that he is pissed, and rightfully so, because you could have cut Cam Newton. If your plan all along was to go for Teddy Bridgewater, you could have cut Cam Newton two, three weeks ago, and Cam Newton, I think, would have a shot to be picked up by somebody else, but the Panthers were playing the game with him, and then they realized that when Teddy Bridgewater was available for an affordable price, $21 million a year for a very capable starting quarterback is not bad at all. $33 million of that is guaranteed. Cam Newton really was left in the dust in this one. I feel bad for him, given uh, all he's done for the Carolina Panthers organization. Of course, that was the team that drafted him first overall, but... Uh, it looks like that time in Carolina is coming to an end. And, Adam, I, I really have no idea uh, where Cam Newton can possibly go. I thought maybe it would have been the Chicago Bears. Actually, but, Bird, I, sorry yes, to interrupt sir. you. I think I saw something that uh, Rich Dismini—I mean, somebody tweeted this, and then Rich Dismini retweeted it, that Dante Fowler has agreed to terms with the Falcons. Ooh. Yep. Yep, I see it right here from, from Ian Rappaport. The Falcons— are giving pass rusher Dante Fowler a three-year deal. Yep, that is an interesting, the, interesting, interesting signing. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, oh, and there's another one here. Uh, free agent wide receiver Seth Roberts 
is signing with the Carolina Panthers. Oh, well, look at that. Another weapon for Teddy Bridgewater. And on the Dante Fowler deal, it came down to two teams. It came down to the Falcons and the Rams. The Rams did try and keep him, but he obviously opts for Atlanta, where he naturally comes in and replaces um, Vic Beasley, who just signed with the Tennessee Titans. Another thing that we want to talk about, I mean, I just kind of want to do this for for Jets reasons, is Robbie Anderson, because he's basically the best wide receiver available at this point. And I think it would be dumb if the Jets don't bring him back, because I think Robbie Robbie Anderson wants to come back to, to the Jets. I think that Sam Darnold, I mean, he doesn't have as much chemistry with him as he has with uh, Ryan Griffin or... Quincy Enuma for like three weeks, or Jamison Crowder. I still think the threat of Robbie Anderson is is great. You know, you always at least once a week, you always have you always see Sam Darnold take a deep shot to Robbie Anderson. Sometimes it works, like that beautiful, beautiful ninety-two yard p- touchdown against the Cowboys. Remember that bird? I don't recall. And then sometimes it doesn't, like in uh, Week One against the Bills, where Sam Darnold basically was feeling the onset effects of mono and it was fucking up his throwing mechanics. So I want to ask you, um, in terms of Robbie Anderson, what are you comfortable with paying him in terms of, in terms of salary? Because you got to think, you got to think the high end receivers are getting in the range of 17 to 20 million, right? Yeah. So you wouldn't consider Robbie Anderson to be in that bracket at all. No, I see. I consider it like an eight to ten million per year, or okay. maybe six to eight. Eight. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was gonna say eleven. I was gonna say eleven. And I think if you pay him, let's say it's a four-year, forty-four million dollar deal, and you give him somewhere between twenty and twenty-five fully guaranteed, I, I think that's fine. I think I think that that would be enough to get that done. Uh, I guess that's really kind of it. Right? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, do you want to go? Do you want to talk about um, any uh, sleeper free agent that you want to talk, that you want to uh, highlight that we haven't talked about? Uh, sure. I mean, I well, I did talk about Logan Ryan already, and a little bit of yeah, Everson yes, Griffin. But I think Chris Harris would be a great fit for somebody. I think Chris Harris could be a really good fit for someone that's looking for an outside corner. Um, even in the slot, he he's been playing a lot in the slot. Uh, over the course of the last few years, given uh, he uh, hasn't really been himself, has lost a step a little bit, but still, he's a perennial pro bowler. He's a guy that can really come in and be a leader for a defense if need be. Um, I really do see him more as a slot guy. I don't think he is really an outside guy anymore. Um, But for any team that does potentially sign him, um, I think they would be a, a really, really good fit. Um, I've heard the Jets are in on that. I've heard the Raiders are in on that. The Dolphins were in on that before they signed Byron Jones. And I've also heard the Cowboys uh, are in on that. But, you know, we're, we're talking about really uh, crunching the dollars here uh, for what I've heard in terms of Chris Harris and where he's going to sign and how many dollars he potentially is going to, uh, to command. Um, my guy that I'm looking at, in terms of where he could potentially be going is Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Dallas has had some preliminary negotiations with Emmanuel Sanders. They obviously lost Randall Cobb to the Houston Texans on a three-year, $27 million deal. 
Cobb goes in and replaces DeAndre Hopkins, and now it looks like Emmanuel Sanders it could be coming to Dallas to replace Randall Cobb. We talked about this earlier in the show when we said that we both feel that Emmanuel Sanders really is a very probably an upgrade, Adam. I think we as what we said uh, over uh, over Randall Cobb. So if that's the case, and you have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Emmanuel Sanders in the fold. I, those are three really good receivers for Dak Prescott to uh, to throw to. Yeah, exactly. I think Emmanuel Sanders would be a great addition for any team, especially as like a, as a silver medal for those teams that lose out on Robbie Anderson. A silver medal. <laughs> I think Robbie Anderson is better than Emmanuel Sanders at this point in time. But I th- uh, probably probably yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think that Emmanuel Sanders is going to get is going to get as much as Robbie Anderson will, because like you said, this is Robbie Anderson's first big contract, whereas Emmanuel Sanders has gotten that already. So, you know, you're talking about two receivers in different stages of their careers. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so, so one more note before uh, before we wrap it up um, on the Dante Fowler uh, contract. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the um, the thing that put it over the top was that Dante Fowler was coached at Florida by Dan Quinn. So that familiarity between him and uh, Coach Dan Quinn of the Falcons is what lured uh, Dante Fowler to Atlanta. All right, so thank you for listening to this special edition of Basement Talk. I have been your host, Adam Castor, with Ed Birdsall. So we'll see you next time for where we're going to be talking more about whatever deals happen while I'm still editing this. And in between the time that our episode, that this episode comes out and when we record. So the off season is still alive and well. There's still sports going on. So keep your eyes peeled for that. <laughs>